All right. Well, hey, welcome to uh, Voice. I just want to say it's so good uh, to see all you guys here in person, uh, safely distancing with masks on. <laughs> but it's so good. There's just something about even being in the same yard uh, together with other people and <laughs> worshiping together. Uh, it's been awesome. So thank you for doing that. I, I, if you're watching online uh, and you feel comfortable, we'd love to see you in person. Also love just to keep you engaged uh, online as well. Hey, uh, we're going to jump right in. Today is our last week uh, that we're going through the Hello, My Name is Jesus series. We're going through the Gospel of Luke. This is the last Sunday that we're going to do this in 2020. And let me walk you kind of through the rest of the year so you uh, know kind of where, where, where we're headed. Next week, we start a, we kind of pivot into Christmas because it's December. Uh, and next week, we do a two-week series that we do every year uh, called Prepare Him Room. Uh, the content is, is, is different every year, but the heart is still the same. In the, midst, in the middle of all the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season, a season when we should be focused on Jesus many times, uh, that, that focus is actually uh, elbowed out of the season. A season where we should be focused on Jesus is actually a season where it's everything, uh, oh, yeah, also Jesus, right? And so we want to, how, how do we as a church bring f Jesus front uh, and center. So we do two weeks of Prepare Him Room. Then we go into our Christmas uh, service. Uh, that'll be just a fun time of Christmas carols and talk about the reason for the season and all that. And then we'll do a Christmas Eve gathering, a uh, Christmas Eve that evening. Uh, and we'll do it online. And then we'll do a candle lighting. All right. And then what we're going to do, too, is at the end of the year, uh, the last year, we've done a uh, what we call Churches Left the Building. And last year, it was a one-week virtual service online, uh, which was uh, kind of abnormal pre-pandemic to do just a virtual service. <laughs> but this year, we're going to expand that. And instead of doing one virtual service, we're going to do two. So a sunset service to close out 2020 and a sunrise service to open up 2021. The team is actually leaving today to head out to Zion in Utah to go film that. So that'll be a two-part series. And then we'll meet back in person in 2021. Who knows what that uh, is going to bring. So today, we're going to hop right in uh, to a passage that is, at first glance, really simple, almost uh, too simple, too simplistic, almost like a bumper sticker kind of simplistic, but the more we look at it, it's really challenging. And I think it's actually one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, that we could ever talk about. And so Jesus is going to end this series for us uh, in 2020 this way. Let's go ahead and dive uh, right in. Luke chapter 13, verse 1, it says, About this time... Jesus was informed that Pilate, Pilate was the uh, leader of the area, so Pontius Pilate had, had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. So there were some Jews having church, and Pontius Pilate executed, murdered uh, some churchgoers during church. Verse 2, Jesus asks, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Is that why they were murdered? Jesus answered, is, that, is this why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And then he goes on in verse 4. And what about the 18 people who recently died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? So there's some sort of natural disaster. Tower fell on 18 people, killed them. He says, were they the worst sinners in all of Jerusalem? No. And I'll tell you again, unless you repent, you will perish too few thoughts as we dive into this. First one is this, is that Jesus kept up with current events. Jesus kept up with current events. He would be watching uh, the news or reading the paper uh, if there was back in the day. See, 
the reason why that's important, I think, for us to say, especially now, is Christians many times over the years have pushed for this idea of isolation, of retreating from the world and worldly things, creating even to the extreme of a commune or a compound to get away from all those things happening in the big bad world. So you heard these ideas of like separate yourself from the world. And even in, in my uh, years of ministry, I've heard pushback when we use pop culture references, referencing movies or music, saying that we are being like the world. I used to lead a young adult ministry called The Forum back in the day, and it was a young adult uh, gathering once a month. And we would start off, I, I, the whole goal was to reach people that were unchurched, right? And we're not trying to reach church people. There are plenty of young adult ministries for that in our area. We wanted to reach people that kind of had written off church. And so one of the things we did for fun at the beginning of every service is we would take like a, whether it be a 70s song or a modern day pop song, and we would just redo it. The band was really good. So we could redo the song. We change the lyrics to be funny or to relate to the current events or what we're talking about that, that night at the, at the church service. But a lot of people gave me pushback and said it was sacrilegious. It was heretical. We're, you're being too worldly by using songs like that. But the reality is, Jesus referenced real events all the time. And especially as we pick this series back up in 2021, we'll see him reference many pop culture events at that time. Well, actually, while it is, then post-Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, a guy named Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, would actually quote poets of the day. It'd be the, it'd be the modern-day equivalent of, like, a quoting a Kanye quote at church. Or did you know that Bieber said this and we're going to preach off of that? Paul would do this. And what's ironic is I'm sure he got pushback about using pagan, um, agnostic, atheist poets, their quotes. The crazy thing is, is those quotes later became scripture because God used them through Paul. It's kind of ironic. So our whole idea is not about isolation. This is important for you to understand. For us as a Voice Church family, it's not about isolation. For us, it's about insulation. And I brought my coat to kind of give you uh, kind of an example here. So bear with me. hope you don't hear the crinkling too much. And I'm not going to wear this for really long because really long I'm going to get hot. So I like to be in the elements. If you've seen kind of what I like to do, I promise I can put on a coat. Uh, I like to be out in the elements. I like to camp. I like to go overlanding. I like to, if it's snowing, if it's cold, if it's raining, I want to be outside. And you got a couple options. If it's raining outside, so the two times a year when it rains here in, in Southern California, you have a couple options. You can either go out in the rain and you would get absolutely soaked, right? Soaked to the core, all your clothes, everything. It would change your body temperature. Or you can stay inside and completely isolate, right? Those are your kind of two options unless you're wearing a raincoat, unless you're wearing an outer shell. What this allows you to do is it allows you to insulate. You can engage with the elements. You can feel the rain, but you don't get completely soaked. And this is the whole heart of it. This is, we don't have time to really dive into what that really means, but pre-choice choices, convictions, guidelines, what times you go out, what places you go out, for, who, for how long, with who. These are all ways you can insulate without isolating. It's not as binary as I am going to go out or I'm not going to go out. See, some of us, we take two extremes. We either clone culture or we commune ourselves, right? So we clone culture in the sense that there's no difference between you and someone that is not uh, following Jesus 
because you're so in culture, you're saturated to the core, and you're just like everybody else. Others of us, and I grew up in a church like this many times, where it was you burn your CDs. Back in the days when there were CDs, you burn your CDs that weren't Christian. You only watch Christian movies, definitely not rated R. There were even my friends who weren't allowed to go to the movie theater because that's where crazy stuff happens, which I never even understood. But they weren't allowed to go to the movie theater. But then they'd watch those same movies at home and their families, which didn't make any sense. But there's extremes, right? Either I clone culture or I created a commune in and of myself. But here's the thing. When we follow Jesus, what we see him do is he was in the world. He was in the culture. He would hang out with people far from faith so much that religious people got mad at him. We'll call him a heretic, right? And for us as Christians, I believe we're supposed to do the same thing. We're supposed to hang out with the people Jesus would have hung out with. And that means that when you're at work, say pre-COVID, and some people say, hey, we're going to go out for drinks afterwards. What do you do? What do you do in a moment like that? Is there a way that instead of isolating and dismissing yourself from the situation, instead of saying yes fully and doing everything they do, is there a middle ground? Are there some pre-choice choices, some convictions you can have to be engaged but not be saturated with their belief systems, with the way they do life completely, but still be a voice for the Lord in those situations? So, I'm going to take this off because it's really hot. Sorry for everyone online that heard that. So we've been called to insulate, not to isolate. So one, Jesus kept up with current events. Two, Jesus didn't obsess with current events. Okay, so Jesus kept up with current events. He didn't obsess with current events. His, his hope was not found anything on earth, in any leader, in any event, in any political thing, in any sort of agenda on earth. He was not driven by those things. His hope wasn't tied to those things. He kept his perspective tied to an eternal timeline. He did a lot of good, but he kept focused on what would matter on the other side of eternity. That everything about this side of eternity was hinged or connected to what would happen on the other side of eternity. That's we we need to follow his lead. So he didn't obsess with current events, but he also used current events to teach eternal lessons. So let's dive into this. What's actually going on in this passage? What's really happening is people are asking the age-old question of why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen? Is there a reason? And back then, just like today, many people thought that bad things happened because of people's sin. I remember years ago, I remember Hurricane Katrina. And our church had dispatched hundreds of volunteers within days. And we continued to go down there for weeks and months and years after the hurricane. Um, but there were so many people in evangelical America that were saying that God brought Hurricane Katrina because of the sin and debauchery and uh, kind of Mardi Gras, essentially, right? So God brought Katrina to bring judgment on New Orleans. You guys heard that? Here's the, here's the, the, the thing about it, though. Mardi Gras happens in the French Quarter. For the French Quarter was largely untouched. Those of you guys that did any sort of relief work after Katrina, the French Quarter was, it was a minor hiccup. They were okay. Do you know who got affected the most? Is a lower ninth ward. The marginalized. The poorest of the poor, the ones who had like plywood as their walls, they were the most affected. And some of them to this day, years later, still have not rebuilt their homes. They're the ones most affected. I have a hard time believing that God did that. 
It just doesn't make any sense. So Jesus gives a couple examples here. First one is that apparently Pilate, we talked about this, the leader of the area, apparently killed Jews during worship. Now I want you to really think about that. Think about the mass shootings in churches uh, during our lifetime, even in recent history. Now imagine instead of that's a lone gunman, that is the government that killed worshipers during church. This is what Jesus is talking about. In a, in a volume called Antiquities of the Jews, uh, which were the history books of the Jews at that time, there's five separate instances where something like this happened to the point where we don't know which time Jesus is talking about. It wasn't super common, but it wasn't uncommon. There's a very real possibility when Jesus says, um, is bringing this situation up, people are going, wait, which time are you talking about? It happened that often. And it's normal and human to ask why. And we do the same. Why does tragedy happen? Why did this person get cancer? There's recently, even this, this week, um, someone in the church texted me, kind of a Hail Mary, please pray kind of situation. Someone was in the ICU uh, in a very critical situation, and it was touch and go for a while there. So I texted the elders and said to pray, but I'm sure that individual was going, why? Like, why? Was there like hidden sin? Was there... And Jesus says, that's, oh, it's, it's normal to think about that stuff. Why did this person get cancer? Why did this happen to me? What was the reason? And then Jesus goes on to a second example. A tower fell. I don't know anything about this tower. But apparently a tower of Siloam fell and 18 bystanders were killed. Again, why? In the first situation, a man made a decision. Pilate commanded other men to execute these people at church. Those men had to make a decision whether they're going to follow the, that or not. Men made decisions to kill other men. That was the first situation. Second situation was an act of nature. But in both situations, why? What was the reason? Where was God in all of it? Was it their sin? Did they deserve it? Was this the justice of God? Jesus' answer? No. No. He talks about the idea that tragedy is part of the human experience. Whether decisions made by fallen men and women or through acts of nature in a fallen kingdom. Tragedy is just a part of life. Death is inevitable. It comes for us all. And now here's the thing. It doesn't excuse bad behavior. It doesn't mean we as a church aren't going to fight against injustice. It doesn't mean that laws don't matter. It just means that tragedy is going to strike us all. I don't want that, that is not a reason to be like doom and gloom. It's a reason to live on purpose today. It's an understanding that one day will be our last day. And to live today as if it's true. Right? To go think about guys like Henry David Thoreau that talk about the idea of suck the marrow out of each day, suck the marrow out of life. So I really want us to think about this. Jesus healed the sick, and a lot of times we will heal. We believe in healing. But Jesus healed the sick. The apostles healed the sick. But do you know what? Those people all died eventually. They, even the ones who were healed by Jesus, eventually got sick and died again. And stayed dead. Even Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, he's not walking around Newport Beach today. He died and then stayed in the grave. I'm sure even in those moments, people were like, oh, he's going to raise from the dead again. And he just didn't. This 
past year had a conversation with a person that goes to the church and we were talking about the idea. She, she had asked, why do we die? Like, why don't we live forever on this side of eternity? And we got to talking about it. We came to the conclusion that, you know, you don't value what you feel like you have an unlimited supply of. Whatever you have an unlimited supply of, you just don't value, right? But when you, when you realize you have a limited supply of something, it has immense value. And the more scarce something is, the more value it has. So when you understand that eventually tragedy will strike us all, all of us, all of us, when you understand that tragedy will strike every single one of us, you'll live as if today matters. You'll live as if this week matters. You'll live as if your, your, your actions echo throughout eternity, that they matter, that what you put your energy towards, what you do with the finances God gives you, it matters and it makes a difference. So Jesus shifts everything to an eternal perspective and he says a basic thing. In light of all the tragedy, here's Jesus' lesson to you. In light of tragedy and the limitations of our life, he says, repent. Repent. It's an old-fashioned word. I don't want us to think about the guy wearing the sandwich board saying turn or burn right on the corner of the street. This is not that. This is a positive thing, not, not a negative thing. He says repent. In other words, get right with God. Confess to God exactly where you're at. Realize that you're inherently limited, that you are mortal, that you're frail, that you're broken. All of us are. Realize that we are not mistakers in need of a teacher. We are sinners in need of a Savior. And we want that to soak in. We are not mistakers in need of a teacher, in need of some life hack or some tweaks. We are sinners in need of a Savior. And if tragedy is coming for us all, then our allegiance to Christ is the only thing that will matter 100 years from now. Think about it. 100 years from now, if tragedy's going to strike us all sometime between now and then, then the only thing that will matter 100 years from now is our allegiance to Christ. The real tragedy, the real tragedy, Jesus says, is not the moment that we pass into eternity. I'm not saying we're not going to mourn when, the, when the, those situations happen. But the real tragedy is not when we pass into eternity. The real tragedy is going into eternity without a relationship with God. That's it. So to, for us to live our lives, for us to spend our money, for us to spend our time, for us to give our talents in a way that we believe that that's actually true. So in light of that, I would be remiss if we didn't kind of bring to a head this question in light of what Jesus talks about. And the question is this. I hope it bothers you. I hope you think about it. In light of what we talked about today and what Jesus is saying, that tragedy is going to strike us all. And he says to repent. In light of that, what do you need to do today? Not someday, not I'll get my act together in 2021 or when this all blows over. What do you need to do today? Maybe you need to make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've kind of danced around it. You've thought about it. You've kind of attended church, but you've never made that line in the sand decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. With all my questions, with all my doubts, I'm still going to follow him. Maybe you used to follow him. But if you're honest, you've allowed your heart to drift. And maybe those close to you think you still do follow him. But in your heart of hearts, you know you're drifting. You, you, you don't follow him like you used to. Maybe 
Maybe you've let fear and anxiety push faith out of your heart. Man, 2020 has given us more than a couple uh, reasons to have some fear or anxiety. But maybe you've allowed fear and anxiety to kind of crowd faith out of your heart. Maybe you've seen things this year. Maybe you've seen things that Christians have done this year and it's made you question your faith. Maybe you're just tired. There's been so many times this year that I have no logical reason for being tired, but I'm just tired. You felt that? Like your soul just feels heavy. And just a principle for all of us to realize is that when, when fatigue walks in, many times faith walks out. When fatigue walks in, many times faith walks out. So maybe you're just tired and faith has kind of just been kicked to the curb because of it. Maybe, maybe you and Jesus are doing great. And he's calling you to a different level. He's calling you to lead where you've always just kind of been around. But he's called you to lead. Maybe he's called you to invest in others. Maybe he's called you to sacrifice like you never had before. And you feel it. You feel him tugging on you to do this. And it's time to quit talking about it. It's time to actually do something about it. But don't overcomplicate it. In light of the fact that tragedy is going to hit us all, in light of the fact that at some point we're going we're to breathe our last breath, at some point a phone call is going to go to your loved ones and say that you passed. That's going to happen for all of us. So in light of that, in light of the fact that that's completely unavoidable, in light of the fact that we have a limited number of minutes and hours until that happens, what's the next right thing you need to do? A hundred years from now, what are you going to wish you did in this next season? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song together. And it says this. Peace. Bring it all to peace. The storm, the storm surrounding me. Let it break at your name. Still. Call the sea to still. Raid the rage in me to still. Every wave at your name. Breathe. Call these bones to live. Call these lungs to sing. Once again, I will praise my prayer for you guys as I was preparing this is that you would be vulnerable with God that whatever doors that you've kind of locked away saying God you don't have access to this this fear, this hurt, this disappointment, this dream this whatever that is your life if you've not given your life to him but there, there's doors that have been locked to Jesus that you would open those up and say God you have everything I want to follow you fully. No more, no more holding back. I want to follow you with abandon. Not follow a church, but follow God with abandon. That you can literally say, God, everything I have is yours. My whole life is yours. The finances you give me are yours. I'll do whatever you want me to do with them. With the time, with whatever time I have left on this planet, I want to give them back to you. And so I want us to sing this song. And my challenge is, would you make it a prayer? Maybe in your own words, you talk to God about what's really going on in the deepest part of you. And again, in light of the brevity of life, what's the next thing you need to do? Let me pray for us and then we'll sing this. God, we just, life is complex. Life is weird right now. Life's always a little weird. God, would you help us to put our trust in you? There's so many things that want our attention and it's going to even increase its, its draw on us as we enter the Christmas season. There's going to be just so much stuff in the ether. God, would you, would you cut through all the clutter? 
Would you speak to our hearts? Like the Bible says, would you teach us to number our days so that we can walk with wisdom, so that we can walk with intentionality. Years from now, we want to look back at our life as one surrendered to you completely, a life well lived, a life that was used to expand your kingdom and that lives were changed because of it. We don't want to just live for us. We don't want to live in fear. We want to make a difference for you. Stir up something inside of us today. Would you bother us in all the right ways? Call us to a higher level with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let's sing this together.